what if? Somebody shout, what if? What if? And we're in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. We talked about this last week, just kind of introducing this verse. And, and quite honestly, this could be about a 10-week series as you take these words uh, and apart to just understand what it is that God has given us an opportunity for. Right? If my people, 2 Chronicles 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that right there sets us up for the responses that God's going to give. That, that if we, I mean, that's you and I, right? We, his people, if, if we'll humble ourselves and pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, then he says this, that he will hear from heaven. That's good, isn't it? We're going to spend some time there. And we'll forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to really just, just dig into this thought. What if God hears from heaven? Right? We'll, 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 we'll save next Sunday for, for, the, for the next portion of that. But, but, and I planned on doing all three today, but I just feel like that, that uh, we need to spend some time on, on this thought of what if God hears from heaven? Because right? sometimes, I, I think if we're honest, first service, I think it was only me. You know, sometimes I throw something out and I says, anybody else experience this? And then it seemed like nobody responded much. And so I felt like maybe it was only me that experiences this. But, but I'll throw it out again. Maybe, maybe somebody will connect and this will resonate with you. But, but sometimes God can seem so far away. You hear what I'm saying? Like, like he, he is the sovereign of the universe. I mean, I don't know anyone else. In fact, no one else has ever said, let there be light, and there's light. No one else, by, by just the words of his mouth, have created a universe. But, but we believe the word of God, and God's word says that God did that. Right? And I want to tell you, this isn't a sermon to figure out if God has done what he said he's done, because I'm, I'm assuming that we all are already there. In fact, I think that discussion's already ended that God has done what he said he's going to do. But God can seem so far away, and, and sometimes uh, you can feel as though uh, you've prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and you've not seen the answer. And because you've not seen the answer, then your mind goes to a place where you're wondering, is God hearing me? And is there something wrong with me or with my praying? Did I not pray the prayer right? Why is it that God is doing this for those people and those other people, and, and they're getting that over there, and God's working for them, but then in my personal life, I don't see what they've experienced, and so is it that God's not hearing me, that he's not even listening, or does he even care about my life? Anybody, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jesus followers that have experienced those kind of thoughts, right? Feeling like you're just speaking words into the air, and somehow the heavens are brass, and your prayers aren't going anywhere, almost as though you're beating your head against the wall, and your prayers feel repetitive, and, and maybe sometimes you wonder, are my prayers self-indulgent, or, or are they too short, or are they, why are they not answered? And because I know this, when things are good, and we have plenty, and maybe we're even distracted from our pursuit of God, God many times gets too little of our time. Anybody like say amen or ouch or something, right? What I, when I do pray, 
Sometimes my prayer can be filled with a wish list. I said it a little bit last week, you know, the whole Amazon thing. Like we treat God as though we're going to, we got Amazon Prime. You know, we want this and this and this and this, and we have the list of things. But the problem is, right, that's not the protocol to go before God at all. You know, you don't go ask your best friend for something and not first have a conversation with them. Unless it's a crisis. Sometimes we get in crisis. I get that. Instead of it being a time of communion and fellowship with the God who loves us, we make it just our wish list. And Solomon here, as we read, in fact, this event of, of the dedication of the temple, it's been built. We, we, three, three chapters in Second Chronicles are given to this, that, that the temple that David wanted to build but couldn't, now Solomon, his son, that's been the word of the Lord for them, his son has built the temple, and now they're at a place of dedication, the Ark of the Covenant. God's presence is there. The priests are there. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture. In fact, uh, here's homework this week. Read Second Chronicles 6 if you haven't read it because it sets up what we're reading here. Solomon is before the people. There's been a, 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 a podium, if you will, uh, maybe the most modern word that I can use, a platform, a stage, and it's, it's about 12 feet, 10, 12 feet this way, 10 to 12 feet this way, and then about 6 feet high. And Solomon is up on it, and he's speaking to the people. I mean, you've you, you got to imagine they've never been in this spot before where they have a temple that's been dedicated to the name of their God. In fact, God's not allowed them to have this. And now here, it's it's in all of its splendor and beauty, and Solomon has built this, and now he's up on it, and he's speaking to the people, kind of recounting some of this. And then Solomon bows down on his knees with his hands outstretched to heaven, and he begins to pray. And his prayer in Second Chronicles 6, I think it's on par with maybe one of the most beautiful prayers. Beautiful, some level eloquent, and yet powerful. Sometimes in our world we have one or the other, and yet I, I see both. And, and I, I'm drawing our attention to that because real quickly I just want to run through a little bit of this, and that is the seven times, at least seven times, that Solomon sets up God's response here. He makes the request. In fact, in verse 21 he says, Hear from your dwelling place from heaven, hear and forgive. Verse 23, then Hear from heaven and act and judge your servants. Verse 25, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel. Verse uh, 29, all the way through 30, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive. Verse 33, then hear from heaven from your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you. Then hear from heaven in verse 35, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. Verse 39, then hear from heaven from your dwelling place their prayer and supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Solomon continuing to request God, hear from heaven. Hear us from heaven. Lord, we know that we're not going to get it right. And, Lord, we know that sometimes it's not going to be, it's not going to be the way you want it. But, 
We want to be a people that are faithful to call on you, and we want to know that you're hearing us. And even today it rings true that when we pray, we want to believe that God is listening, that he's inclined his ear, and he's hearing the prayers of his people. How many know that? Say yes. And so the hearing from heaven, right? By by the way, I want to say it like this, and then I want to correct what I'm saying, but there's no other God that hears from heaven. So, So let me help you. There's no other God but the one true God, and it's amazing, and, and somehow there's, there's a certain peace about understanding that God hears the prayers of his children, of his people. Right? Paul speaks to it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 when he said, he said you, you, you were pagans and you were led about, about by dumb idols or mute idols. They, they couldn't speak. But I'm going to tell you something. They couldn't hear either. But God, our God, he hears. He is the God who hears. In fact, throughout the Word of God, and I'm just going to quickly go through a few places just, just to kind of bolster this a little bit because the Bible is replete with the word and picture of God hearing our prayers. John 9.31 says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners. He doesn't listen to sinners. He hears, he listens to um, the godly person, the worshiper of God, and uh, and does his will, uh, that person is the one that he hears, the one that, he, that does his will. First Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. First John 5.15, And uh, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13. He said, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. How many know God is listening? Psalm 66, verses 17 through 20. says, I cried out to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I had regarded, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not hear, but certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. He's not withheld his love from me. God listens to our prayers, and he's ready to answer, and all you have to do is so simple that we may miss this, and all you have to do is ask. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Throughout God's word, I said there's multiple examples. We're heading into Christmas. I mean, no Christmas is on the horizon. You say it's not even Thanksgiving yet. I get it, but people know Christmas is coming. By the way, I'm happy. I'm happy because maybe somebody's going to be open here about Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? I want to use it for all that I can get out of it. So we're going to preach uh, through the month of December and, and uh, Christmas Eve. Got some things that I think are going to be helpful to your. Sometimes you just need a drink. To your family, to your loved ones. Um, and so, but here's a, here's a verse that many times is just relegated to Christmas, but it's, it's pretty important. Luke 1.13 it 
says this, the angel of the Lord said to Zechariah, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Back over in 2 Kings 20, verse 5, Hezekiah, he said, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. Exodus chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 26, said the Lord heard the cries of his people. He heard the cries of the Israelites when they were suffering in Egypt. He heard their lament coming to him. He was listening to his people. The Psalms full of hope, full of assurance that God hears our prayers. Psalm 6, 9, the Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. Psalms 18, 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Psalms 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Sometimes we've doubted God's attention to the detail when it comes to our prayers. Did God really hear me? Maybe I need to say my request again, and maybe you do. And sometimes we get this, there's this fallacy in the body of Christ that we pray one time and we're done, and we think if we pray again, we don't have faith, and that's just a lie. Because Jesus said this, he said, in the Greek, it, it, it means this, continual action, uh, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Right? It's not a lack of faith to go back. How many of you have ever had a young child, they want something from you, and they ask you once, and you say no, but then they come again, and they come again, and they come again, and they come. What they're looking for is not a no, but a yes. And you got comfortable in saying no the first time, but they, but they believe uh, to a certain extent that if they ask you enough, eventually they'll get a yes out of you. It's not because they don't believe. It's because they believe. And sometimes you go to God, and it's okay to go again and say, Lord, I'm just coming to you again about that thing that I talked to you about before, and, Lord, I really need your help with this thing. Well, that's not a lack of faith. It's because you believe. But I also want to add this. Don't get confused and, 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 and just in a, in a, get in a way that you think, well, i got to make it just right. I didn't say it just right. Uh, I'm just saying this, that you can ask again, but sometimes we get in that place where we think, well, you know, I need to change my phrasing or my wording. Maybe I didn't say it right, or perhaps I haven't said it enough, and it's not that, right? It's not the idea that maybe I need to do something different in order for God to actually hear me. I want to tell you there are obstacles to him hearing you and him answering, and we're going to talk about those for a few moments, but I, I want us to understand this, that, that many times it's not about our prayers. Yes, we need to pray, but it's everything. It's not sometimes anything about our prayers, but it's everything to do with, the, with this, that Christ, what he's already done. Hebrews 4.16 helps us understand that we can go before the throne of grace with boldness, knowing that God hears our prayers because we've already been reconciled to God, reconciled with God by faith in Jesus Christ. And you may say, well, it seems like he's not listening. I'm not sensing that God's hearing me. And so I want to I help with a calibration this morning. You know what that means, don't you? Kind of go back to the base level. Many, many, 20-plus years ago, I, I worked in, in the marketplace in the secular world. I was bivocational. And uh, somehow, I don't know how, I'm not the guy. Somehow they got me on this call list that when they were having problems with this certain, it was a, it was a coffee, under, it was like an espresso type machine. When you're having problems with this, they call me all over the nation. I'm more shocked than you are. But, you know, and they had me, and they, they would call because I didn't feel like I ever knew 
all that much of what I was doing. And they would call, or they call, they page me. That's how long ago this has been. 25, 30 years. I don't know how long ago. I'm old now. And they page me, and I go find one of those nasty pay phones. You know what I'm talking about? I'm kind of OCD, and, you know, you just think, well, it's tough. you know, anyways. And they'd say, I'm having this problem. I've been here two hours. Can't get this thing fixed. And, and they'd tell me all about the problem. And I'd say, well, did, did, you, did you calibrate the machine? No, because it's doing this. And I'd say, well, you need to do that. They really didn't want to do that. They didn't necessarily want to do that. But they needed to do that so we could really find out what's wrong. Because it could be that some settings were off and some things were just not where they need to be. If we don't get back to base level, then we're going to continue to fix a problem that, that, that we can't fix because there's stuff wrong from, from the beginning of the, at, at the base level. And I, I want to help us today some very basic concepts about God hearing us so that we start at a base level. And I think Second Chronicles 7.14 certainly is the gold standard. Sets us up for, for experiencing God hearing from heaven. And I think, yes, it's on a corporate level of many people. I think it's on an individual level as well. As a pastor, I know this, that certain areas of what we do as a church that we're only as strong as our weakest link. You know, because church, church language, here's church language. Somebody else will do it. It don't matter what it comes to. I mean, I've been around a while. I know. I probably even said it sometime. Right? You know, somebody else will clean that thing. Or if you've ever, if you've ever served, and many of you have in a church, you know there's a whole lot of stuff that happens to make it happen. You know? And when it comes to prayer, we could think, well, you know, there's a few like those real spiritual people. They can go to all the prayer meetings and they can be all the things and they'll just do all the praying. And then I'll do the 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 showing up and the attending and singing the songs that I like and, you know, that, that kind of thing. And, and the reality is that all of us should engage in prayer together at times. Right? The corporate prayer, body prayer, is one of the greatest things that we can do as a church. It's not if I preach good or if the worship's good or if it's the way we like it or what we think or if we pick the right colors for the thing or if we decorated the trees with tinsel or with icicles. By the way, they're called icicles. If, it don't matter how all those, all those things kind of have maybe some importance somewhere, somehow. I don't know. But prayer, right, Jesus said, we talked about it last week, that my house, right, he's, 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 he's repeating what's already been written. He said, it is written that my house the place that he gets stirred up seemingly the most, flipping tables, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so, and so your personal prayer life is, is important for you. It's important for us together that you develop. And, and if you weren't here last, uh, last Sunday, you can go Elevation Indie, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts and catch that, but your personal prayer life. And we'll spend in January... Um, kind of already working on it because it seems like it fits with this, but just got something on prayer that I think is going to be important for us. And this isn't just to get you here. It's for us as a church, I think, what we need to hear. But then corporate prayer. And I, I, I threw out a little bit of a vision last sun, Sunday that on Saturdays in January, I'm just believing for 100 people in this room on Saturdays from 9 to 10 for those three sun, Saturdays in January, corporately praying, going after God together. How many agree with that? Say yes. And that, and that may mean this. It may require something to change for you to say, I'm going to give up an hour on, on uh, Saturday to come and pray. And, and I just believe this. I believe that the way we're going to set the tone for 2024, there's a whole lot of things we can be doing. 
Because I know how people do this, the resolutions, and they want to have a revolutionary life. You know, they want to change this, and they're going, they're going, you're going to do this to eat right. You're going to do this to, to work out or whatever. Or maybe you're not going to do that or that. I don't know. You're going to try to get rid of that habit that you've been doing. You're going to try to start, you know, some of you are going to start a Bible reading plan, do it, good stuff. All those are good. But I'm just saying this. If you launch into the new year with prayer, like, like before we ever step into it and make all our resolutions and all our ideas and all our plans, that we just submit to say, God, we're going to pray and we're going to give you a portion of our day in prayer and we're going to come corporately and pray once a week and we're going to see what you have planned in 2024. I'm telling you right now, it's going to make an incredible difference. And then I, I just would top it off with, with then if, if we can start the year with, a, with an opportunity to have citywide prayer where we have 15, 20 churches that just come together, individuals from those churches, and, and bombard heaven together. I'm telling you, 2024 in this, this region of, of this city is going to be different if we pray together. I'm just believing for big things in 2024. Anybody agree with me? Say yes. Yeah. Now here's what Pew Research, I'll be quick. You could go find this yourself, but it says this, that what they found out was three-quarters, 75%, nearly 75% of Americans say they try, try as a, a key word, try to talk to God or another higher power, whatever that means. Sounds dangerous, I'm just saying. And 28% indicate that their attempts at communication are answered saying God or the spiritual force in the universe talks directly with them. There's much more I could, I could dig into about uh, the percentage of Americans that, that pray and, and does believe God uh, answers. And, and then I think about, well, I don't know about you, but I think it's good. Three-quarters of Americans at some level pray. And I don't know if those are, you know, spare tire prayers, crutch-in-the-closet prayers. I, I don't know, you know, God, help me in this mess I'm in. I don't know what those prayers all look like because if you're doing a survey, you know, do you pray? Well, yeah, I pray. Does, does it even necessarily mean, as you said, another higher power or the spiritual force of the universe or whatever the terminology they're using that, that they've even got all that right, but that there's, there's some belief in our nation at some level still that there's a God somewhere. They can't identify him. Maybe they don't know what he looks like or what he says, but but and so, good news there. But then, my, my pulpit that I'm standing on today is that the church, followers of Jesus, have got to be people of prayer. We've got to be people of prayer. If anybody ought to be praying, we should be praying. And too many times, I, I see a watered-down gospel, and I see, I see churches that kind of settle for uh, just some complacent kind of worship and, and lethargy among people that, that say they follow Jesus, and I'm saying we've got to break that and be in passionate pursuit of him, and that impacts our lives through prayer. And so, again, base level, I want to hit real quick. I could give you ten of them, but I want to give you four, seven at least, um, obstacles to prayer. You should thank me. I'm not going to keep you here all day. We've got not a praise, and I've got to hurry. So, so number one, number one, prayers that are not aligned with God's word. That's an obstacle. That, that, that you're praying something, and, and it's, it's way over there somewhere, but it's, it's not aligned with God's Word. And I, I think, you know, I've always believed the first rule of prayer is faith. And, 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 and maybe that's true, but I do, I do believe this, that either parallel with that or a close second is whether the request is according to God's will, which is His Word. 
Because I've had people, they're over here praying for something. They come, Pastor, will you pray for me with this? And I'll say, what are we praying for? And they'll tell me, and I'm thinking, well, that's nowhere near what God's Word says. So then we've got to do a little teaching. Or sometimes I'm in the altar, and somebody will say, will you pray for this? And I'm like, nah, maybe I didn't hear him right. Won't you go ahead and pray first? And they pray, and I'm thinking, well, God's not going to do that. I don't say it like that. I do a corrected prayer, right? I don't have, a, I don't have an hour to sit down with them. But, but I'm just saying this, if it's not his, his word and you're praying, if you've got some kind of fantasy prayer that you want to happen and you've just made it up and it's not in agreement with God's word, he's not going to answer that prayer. In fact, I, I, I like what Proverbs 28, 9 says, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. It's detestable. Right? And there's a difference between ignorance and interpretation Please don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think you could pray a prayer that maybe you're not interpreting God's word correctly, and, and I'm not saying that's unbiblical. It could be a misunderstanding. But sometimes we could just be ignorant of God's word and be over here praying something that's not at all in line with God's word, and God's not going to answer that prayer. You know, it, 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 it'd be like, you know, it'd be like if uh, some of you, Christmas time will come, and you got young children. I don't know if you had this happen. I've had it happen before. And, and then you get this toy, and then you realize on the side of the box it says, most horrible words in the universe almost. Some assembly required. Because when it says that, it means a whole lot of assembly required. And it means this, that you become an employee of the company. Like they pay somebody to put it in a box, but now they're going to have you do the rest of the job, and they're not going to pay you. They didn't get to send you a time card to clock in. There's nothing. You're going to put it together. And, 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 and even the, the worst part of that for me is that they put an instruction booklet or manual, like 270 pages on how to put it together. I'm like, you really expect me to do this? I didn't go to the class. Like, I wasn't in the training. Like, I don't know. I just wanted to give the nice gift. Now I've got to put it together. And so I'll look at that thing and flip through it, and it's got, like, diagrams and, and letters to tell you what bolts are what, and they all look alike to me. I don't know. they got little dotted lines that go to where they go in. I lay it all out there, and I'm like, it doesn't look anything like what the thing says. And, and then I realize I'm looking at the Spanish version of the, i got to turn it back to the front. Play. I've done that before, so I'm just saying. And, and so, so I got the instruction manual, and then what I do is I kind of toss it aside, and I start doing it. And what happens is I end up with a Frankenstein toy. But here, here's the deal. What we can do, though, is we can go to God with some big, bold prayers using audacious faith and say, God, I want you to do this and this, and we haven't looked here, and we haven't tested it with this, and we're asking God to do something that's out of alignment with his will, and God's not going to answer that prayer. And I'm saying if you're making a request on God, go to his word and see what his word says, and then take it to him in alignment with his word. And I'm telling you this, God will hear your prayer. And I'm saying, you know, man, there's folks that they're believers. They refuse to hear God's discipline, his guidance, and their prayers become detestable to the Lord is what Proverbs tells us here. Secondly, one of the obstacles for prayer is unconfessed sin. Now, I'm not talking about you're humbling yourself, you're praying, you're asking God to help you with something, and you're working through it, and you haven't got it all right yet, but you're, you, you, you're, you're, your focus is to get it right. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about that you know it's wrong, you keep it hidden, you keep it covered up, and you continue. In fact, I, I read it earlier, Psalm 66, verse 18, David said, if I had regarded, cherished iniquity, sin, in my heart, the, lo the Lord would not have listened. And so it's coming clean before God, right? You, you want him to hear your prayers, it's coming clean before him, and saying, Lord, I've got this going on. It's being transparent. Now let me help you. Let me help you for just a minute. You're already transparent before him. 
I don't know if you think you can hide something from him and he doesn't see it. He already sees it. He already knows. And so it's, it's just confess means this. It's, it's, it's uh, two words together. It means um, the idea of, of together, right, speaking. Right, con together and then fess, speaking. You heard somebody say, old timers, they fess up, right? Or they're saying, speak that out. And so it's, it's going to God and, and speaking together what he already knows about you. It's coming into alignment. There, there's sin in my life, and Lord, I'm, I'm going to submit that to you. Thirdly, wrong motives, right? When, when, you go, when you go to God, what is the motive behind the prayer? Is it for you? just for you and stuff that you want, things that you desire, or is it to develop closer communion to him? And I love what James 4, uh, verses 2 and 3 say, you do not have because, right? Let me start. I'll start at the beginning. I'm already at the end of it. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask... And do not receive because you ask amiss or wrongly that you may spend it on your passion, on your pleasure. And, and uh, there's a couple things that James helps us with here with the idea of wrong motives. And, and by the way, uh, it could be as simple as doing this. You can have a prayer life where you're saying words, but the thoughts behind them are, are not there. Right, the, the, the intent and passion to be praying is, is empty and dry. You know, it's like, it's like the child that you, you, you before bed, you're, they're going to say their bedtime prayers. And, and when I was a kid, we had that scary one, you know, now nah, uh, lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. <laughs> it's a scary prayer for a kid, right? Pray the Lord my soul to take. Well, you could, a kid could say that prayer, have it memorized, say it, say it, you know. Say it over and again, you know, God is great, God is good, thank you for whatever this food, whatever it is. You know, you can say that and say it and say it and not really mean what you're saying. You just got a repetition. I mean, one of the, one of the greatest prayers is, is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's powerful, powerful model, powerful prayer, standalone prayer. And yet, you could just say that because you know it and not really have any intent of, of meaning it necessarily. You're just repeating it. You could say it every day for the next, for 2024, and you could say it every day and not really mean anything because the motivation behind it is just to be religious and say a prayer and, and, and get my prayer time in and not really, by the way, it could be just words that we're saying. It could be something altogether different than that and, and praying repetitiously with no thought behind it. And I, I want to say this this morning, that, that wrong motives, motives to just get through prayer and to do prayer are not the right motives. The other thing James, I think, points out here today is in doing this that, that we can fall into this idea where, where, where we're not really even asking, right, we're, that, that, we're, that we are. Uh, here's the way we understand asking. Like you ask people for stuff. Like a friend, you'll ask them. Your spouse, you'll ask them. Hey, could you help me with this, or could you do this, or maybe I remember back when I was working in secular world by vocation. I remember I was working in this place, and and uh, a, another guy that I knew at another company 
called me and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And went there to talk to him. He offered me a job to work there. Same kind of industry, same kind of stuff. But he was going to pay me almost double what they were paying me to the place. And so I went to him and I said, hey, I'm just letting you know I'm not looking for a job because I like it here and I like the people here and I like doing what I do. But I had a friend call and he wants to offer me a job uh, and it's significantly a lot more money. Significant difference. And, and they asked me what it was. If I tell them, I told them. And so the next day they came back to me and they said, hey, we want to give you more than that to stay here. Well, my faith was so low because they'd already gave me a 20% raise like a couple months before that. There's no way they would get My ask was so uh, pitiful. It wasn't even an ask. I didn't have any faith at all. I, didn't th- I was just going to take the other job. Isn't it funny? When we go to God, sometimes we have a pitiful ask. And I'm like, you know, and they said they're going to do that. And you know what? Here's what I know. They would have never, ever given me that raise if I didn't go to them. With, with, again, with my sorrowful ask. I never got it. They just wouldn't have done it. There's no reason for them. I'm doing the job. They already gave me a raise. Why would they do that? And I want to tell you, sometimes we, go, we, we just don't even ask God. Like our, our we, we, we I don't, and I don't know if we think maybe our prayers are insignificant or they're selfish or we try to do it in our own strength and ability, but, but we just don't ask. And I'm saying this, that, that a part of what, what we need to understand in seeing God answer prayer is that you got to ask, right? And then you got to understand what is your motivation because James says this is sometimes, right, we're, we're asking wrongly simply because we're asking with, with wrong passion or, or our own pleasure. And um, we've got to understand what, what is our desire in this. Is our desire to say, Lord, this is what I'm asking. And, and I almost think it's like the three Hebrew children. I think it's one of the great examples. Like, there's a fiery furnace in front of us, and we know God can deliver us, but even if he don't, he's still God. And God, I'm asking this, and even if you say no, because you need to understand, sometimes God says no. He answers, sometimes no. Sometimes sometimes the whole weight, and we'll talk about that for just a few moments, but, but it's, it's understanding what's my motivation. And then, and then fourthly, doubting God. James 1, uh, verses 5 through 7 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally, who gives generously to all, right, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And then it says this, for let not that man think or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's really strong, isn't it? Right? In doubt, doubt's not going to produce it. And God, God wants to give his children good things. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's a powerful verse right there. Right? That that's God's, the Father's desire. Right? Prayer's powerful, but if our prayers are amiss, or they, if they're aimless, if they're meaningless, and mingle with doubt... Billy Graham said this, they will be of little hope to us. And sometimes it may seem like the world all around us is evil, that, 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 that the unending worries of our life are too overwhelming to even address in prayer. You may think, Pastor Tony, if I went to God and prayed for the things in my life, he'd probably get sick of just hearing me praying so much. And I'm just saying this, no, like a father, he desires for you to come to him, Right? 
And what happens is that's, that's the way doubt creeps into our life. And you need to understand doubt is a liar. Doubt is a liar. If you're taking notes, write that down. Write this down. Doubt lies to us that God's love, that God's patience, and God's power have limits. They don't. He's limitless in his ability to work in our lives. And, and James states so clearly that actively doubting uh, God's graciousness and, and his providence is going to hinder. It's going to impede our prayers. And so we've got to cast off doubt and just go wholeheartedly into believing what God says. I remember one time as an alpha training. We do alpha here, and alpha is a way to get some very uh, fundamental um, things right, like who is Jesus and why do you have to die and what is prayer and what is the church, and it deals with all those things. And I remember I was at a training. It's been 10, 12 years ago up in Chicago, and, and there was a lady who was training. She talked about in her church, Park Community Church in Chicago, she talked about how that there was they were doing alpha and had tables everywhere, and and, uh, and so you eat a meal. We Alpha works. You eat a meal. If you, if you haven't been through Alpha and you want to go January when group started, it'll be one of the groups. But, but you have a meal together and you watch some truth that's presented uh, on, on video. And then you have a discussion, kind of an open discussion. And she said, and she said I was there and, and at my table there was uh, a um, lady who had been to church for like 25 years. And then, and it was on prayer and God hearing us. And she said, and there was a couple that had been invited for a spiritual conversation. That's the way you invite people, for a spiritual conversation. And they were a Buddhist couple. They were both Buddhist. And she said, this lady that had been there for so long said, you know, the only problem I have is it's just hard for me to believe God really hears me. I struggle with God, believing God hears me pray. And the Buddhist couple, who for the first time had heard this presented, said, yes, but your book says that he hears you. <laughs> and he said, so... If it says it and you believe it, then God hears you. And I thought, how simple it is to understand, and we want to complicate it. Because God is listening when we pray. God hears when we pray. Psalms 55, um, uh, verse 16, but I call to God, and the Lord uh, shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Right, it's the idea that God is listening, that his ear is inclined. And I'm telling you, when you meet this criteria that I've described, there's not a single prayer that slips by God because there's no time of day that he's not listening. God heard you 20 years ago when you prayed that prayer. He heard you 10 years ago, 5 years ago. He heard what you prayed last week. He hears what you're praying for today. In fact, I believe he's already listening for tomorrow. He's listening so well that he already knows what you're going to say. And even understanding that, sometimes we find it maybe hard to believe that God hears our prayer. But God hears you when you're praying, when you're sitting at home by yourself, when you're walking outside, maybe when you're in darkness or maybe when you're in school or you're in work in one of the hallways and you throw up a prayer to him, God hears you. Even when you're not sure what to say, even when you feel like you're not loved and maybe you've been abandoned or left out, God hears every whispered prayer that's ever been whispered to him. God hears. God hears. And they reach his, they, they go from your lips to his ear. And the thing is that we all have to understand is it's about your need for relationship with him more than it is about the fulfillment of the dream that you've came up with for your life. God understands the deepest cries of your heart. He wants you to trust him 
His plan for you is greater and, and more massive than anything you can imagine. Psalms 37, 7 says, this be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. He's listening. He's listening. Now, here's the thing. Waiting many times in our world doesn't equate with God hearing, right? Waiting shouldn't equate with God didn't hear you. It doesn't, it's not the same as it should. Waiting doesn't mean that God didn't hear you. Sometimes we lose heart in the waiting. And let me tell you something. God may not answer right away. I just want to help you. God may not answer right away. Sometimes something needs to happen in your life, right? Pieces need to fall in place. And, and so, so we can get a little, you know, we prayed 10 minutes ago, and now we're like, okay, where's it at? When, when sometimes the waiting process, I did a series back in April. You can find it online next, just addressing this idea that for me to go to my next, that prayer I prayed for, for me to get there, sometimes the waiting is, is the answer to my prayer as I'm, as I'm growing in the Lord and growing in closeness to him. And, and I, I love what C.S. Lewis, he, he tried to deal, explain this, and, and you know how it is, trying to grasp some of these big concepts about God and, and who he is. And C.S. Lewis did such a great job of explaining this. He said, picture a person writing a novel. And they're writing a novel, and they've got Mary, and she's in the chair in her living room, and, she, and the writer writes down or types in or on the keyboard or writes with a pen that Mary gets up out of the chair and walks across the room. And then the writer drops the pen, lifts the fingers off the keyboard, and goes across the room and does something on their own. And for three or four hours, they're doing things. Now, Mary's still on their mind. They're trying to think about what's going to happen next with Mary. They're trying to figure out, you know, as they write the storyline, where's Mary going to go? What's she going to do? It's not that Mary's not on their, the person's radar. But you see, that person exists in a time and space outside of Mary's world. Now, that author is going to come down and uh, come back and sit down and write the next steps and the details of Mary's life beyond that. But, but here's the thing. In the meantime, Mary's just kind of over there. She's been left on the pages, up out of the chair, walking across the room. And sometimes when you're praying and you pray that prayer and you're like, God, I really need you to do this, and then there's no response. Understand, he heard your prayer, but he exists in time and space outside of our world. And even though you're not getting an answer, it doesn't mean that you've been forgotten or abandoned or, or he's not going to answer your prayer. It means that he's focused on what's going on in your life, and he's going to give you the details, but he's going to come back into your time and space and give you the answer. And so you can be confident that your waiting isn't lost. It isn't like God's just given up on me. No, he's going to use that time for you to draw closer to him because the greatest need you have is a closer relationship not just the thing you're praying for. And it's a game changer, right, to believe and not doubt. I talked about how doubt's a hindrance to our prayer. I'm just saying this, that when you get to the place, right, like Proverbs 15, 29 says, that you understand he hears the prayer of the righteous, that, that he's listening to me, and I can cast doubt aside, and I can be in total faith to believe he's hearing. Say, but Pastor Tony, I've been waiting a long time, and I've not seen any results, and I'm, I'm a little disheartened, and I, and I get that. But I just want you also to understand this, that the enemy would love for you to doubt. And, and by the way, all of us have doubt at times. I know. 
We want to be super, people of super faith and say we never have doubt. Well, I think every Jesus follower sometimes experiences some kind of doubt. It's like the guy when Jesus said, you know, do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, I believe in Jesus. I know you can do some stuff. I've never met a man like you. I don't even know if you are a man. I don't even know what to expect, but I believe. But back here in the corner of my mind somewhere, there's some unbelief that's hanging on. And, and let me tell you something. We get it. There can be doubt. But you can let faith rise up in your life and increase to the point that doubt is dismissed and you're believing for God to do the thing that his word says he'll do in accordance to the request that you've made to him. God hears the prayers of his people. And so many times we just stop short of that. Sharing a story. Over the years, I got to meet some people, you know, just, you do over time. Some of you have met some people, famous people, people that have celebrity, people that maybe do something that you'd like to be able to do. And I've got to meet quite a few, and I'm excited when I get to meet people like that, that have done something, achieved something. I remember one time I was in Indianapolis Airport, and Michael Jordan, this is when the Bulls were doing their stuff. Michael Jordan, the whole team was there. And my friend that was with me, he went over and asked for all their autographs, and I didn't do it, I just, you know. Maybe I should have. But I said hi to them all. I met them. I was in a restaurant one evening, and Kim and I, and, and uh, there was a couple. I could just see them. They, they were across the restaurant. I could see the outline of their head. And I told Kim, I said, I think that's Bill Gaither. I think that's Bill and Gloria Gaither. Now, the Bill Gaither that most people know is the old-time songs that, you know, Precious Memories and all those, and I love those, but, but that's what they associate with. Bill Gaither in his day, he was pretty cutting edge. I mean, he brought some stuff to the church that nobody else had done. In fact, some places didn't even want to sing his songs, right? It's hard to imagine Gaither being that guy. That's who he was. And so I'm over there, and I told him, I said, I want to go over and say, say something to him. And I'm, I'm careful. They had not got their food yet. They're waiting on a few other people to join them. So I went up there, and I said, hey. I just want to thank you for your contribution, introduce myself, your contribution to the body of Christ and all you, I'm just trying to be, you know, and I want to meet him, but I'm also just saying some stuff, you know, meaning it, but, and, uh, and then he started asking me, he said, well, tell me about you, and all these kind of questions, and just was normal and glory and just so nice, you know, and I went on back, I didn't keep him along, and I think sometimes we see God over there, and somehow we don't even know if we should approach him about that or if he's going to listen. I don't know if Bill Gaither is going to listen to me. I mean, I've heard stories about different people. Like they say, you know, not maybe not in these words, but get out of my face, you know, or whatever. Like, you know, I didn't think he'd do that, but, you know. And I'm just saying this, that you can approach God. You can approach him and you can ask. You can pray and he, you can know this, he's going to listen. He's going to listen. And by the way, and we'll talk about it next week, he's going to respond. He's, prayer, prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. He's going to respond, and you can know that.